This summer, click into cordless power with Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the Ryobi 40-volt battery-powered mower. And keep your flower beds fresh with the 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Then clear debris with the 40-volt jet fan leaf blower. Click into Memorial Day savings happening now at your cordless power source. The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Pro Basketball Talk podcast here at NBC Sports. Uh, coming this time from the... Uh, Casa de Helen on the road, actually, <laughs> my, my family's place, uh, out of town for the holiday weekend. But we're still going to put together a podcast because there's so much to talk about in the NBA. And specifically, 20 games into the season, Dan Feldman and I from NBC Sports are going to run through all the rookies in the league and take a look who's doing well, who's struggling a little, and, and where you, we're going to hope to see improvement with these guys. It's been such a dramatic draft class. This should be fun. However, first, I do want to mention we are brought today by Hip Sports. That's HYP Sports, the fantasy sports for gamers app. It's free. And in this app, you build your fantasy team the way you would in NBA 2K or FIFA or other games, collecting them over time, but the prizes are daily. And as a listener, we have a free introductory player package for you. Just download the app, HYP Sports, Hip Sports at uh, you know, Google Play, uh, the App Store, all the usual places, or on Facebook. And when you get in, enter the promo code PROBASKET1. That's P-R-O-B-A-S-K-E-T-1, like Pro Basketball Talk. Enter that, get a free player package, and get started with Hip Sports. Now, let's get on to talking about the uh, NBA and those rookies. And break it all down, Dan Feldman from NBC Sports. How's your winter going, Dan? You were there last night to watch uh, LeBron James go into high gear against Detroit, man. Yeah, I wish he would have kept it up. Big scoring first quarter on Stanley Johnson. Uh, if you remember back to when Stanley Johnson in the playoff series that he was in LeBron's head, I wonder if that's still something LeBron is thinking about because uh, he worked Stanley Johnson. I thought we might be in for something special. Uh, it was just one special quarter, and then because the Cavs were up so much, LeBron could just take it easy. Yeah, it was easy for them to say after the game, you know, minutes aren't an issue when you're only because he only played 27 and change. He didn't have to play the fourth. So that that looks great on paper from this game. We'll see what happens going forward. He still leads the league in minutes played. So uh, I still think that's an issue down the line. But that is not the topic of this podcast. We're going to be talking about the rookie class that came in, which has been a really fascinating class. And we're just going to go down it in order, starting with the number one pick. Markel Fultz, who has played a total of, you know, four games this season. And it's I think it's just kind of hard to grade him. He's really an incomplete right now. He had the shoulder issue. He wasn't playing well. He's been on the bench, uh, you know, re- rehabbing ever since. And the uh, news came out yesterday. The I love that the Sixers had an announcement leaked to a PR through a media person close to the team said, hey, this is going to be a positive announcement. And they're like, yeah, he's going to be out two to three weeks and we're going to evaluate him again. I'm like. Well, I guess that's positive for where the Sixers are in their injury history lately, but I'm not sure that it's all that positive. Uh, but I just, it's a little early to grade him, I think. I mean, well, it's, it's 
it's early to grade all these guys. Well, that's uh, true. But I think it's obviously worth doing. That's why we're doing it. Uh, but yes, especially Folds. Uh, it's kind of troubling all this stuff. I'm, I am mostly, mostly in the camp of, look, his shoulder's been hurt. He hasn't gotten to show what he can do at all. Uh, once he takes the time to get healthy, however long that takes, he'll be fine, I think. But it is kind of concerning that there are so many people who think there's something wrong mentally and that he screwed up his shot and you know doesn't know what he's doing anymore and that there's something wrong that just getting his shoulder healthy won't be enough. Yeah, that is a little concerning. It's just it's to me it's too early to say that and it's it's really hard to play the chicken and the egg game of did this and you wrote about this, you know, he says the shoulder injury caused the change in his shooting motion and, and his free throw motion and the team has kind of hinted the other way that it's, you know a change in the motion caused the injury, which is possible with repetitive injuries. You know, if you're shooting you know 500 shots a day, I suppose you know, I just I I don't know how to play that game. I don't know how to say this guy's right, this guy's wrong. Uh, they both have their opinions, but is it seems like a fixable thing ultimately to me. So you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. They could really use him. I think the one thing you can say about Fultz, though, if you want to argue after watching Jason Tatum for the first month of the season, that Danny Ainge won that trade? Yeah, that's an argument you can start to make. Again, too early to say for sure, but man, <laughs> Danny Ainge may have pulled one over. Right now, with what you know right now, if you had the number one pick, if all the players were back in the draft right now, would you Ooh. take faults or, or Jason Tatum? I guess for simplicity, let's limit to those two. I'm not sure there'd be somebody else. But let's limit to those two. Wow. Who would you take? Yeah, because say because it's like it's impossible to say like where Jonathan Isaac will be in. You're like I like Jonathan Isaac, and we'll get to him obviously down the line. But like where he'd be in, or somebody like him will be in a few years. Um, boy, it'd be hard not to take Tatum though. He has looked so he hits hard. He hits difficult shots, and I think that that's a skill that does translate. We saw that at summer league. Like he, you can test him. He can still hit it. That translates really well, and that might be something that, um, yeah, down the line is, is I mean, that's a skill that he'll keep. I just, in theory, Fultz's ceiling is higher. We just have no idea, so. Would you? I think, I think I'd have to take Tatum, and I was down more on Tatum than most coming into the draft, but he's been so impressive. And if, if we kind of want to lump him together and then jump back to Lonzo Yeah, Ball, let's do that. To let's me, say. what really impresses me about Tatum it's not that he's making tough shots, and that's kind of why I was down on him. I think that's an overrated skill. It's that since he's been in the NBA, and you are right, in summer league he was making all those tough long twos, but since the NBA regular season has started, he's done such a good job of generating easy shots, and I think that's an underrated skill. He's getting up good three-pointers. He's getting good shots at the rim, and I think some of his numbers will fall. I, I still think he's probably playing over his head a little bit, especially as a three-point shooter. But he's generating pretty good shots in a way that I just did not expect him to. Yeah. For the record, since we're going to jump to Tatum and, and make him part of this conversation now, he is at 13.9 points per game, uh, 5.8 rebounds, uh, 49.7 shooting overall, but like you said, 46% from three. Um, that's not look, that's not sustainable. He's not Steph Curry from out there. He's not going to be hitting you know in the mid-40s. I don't think Curry hits in the mid forties. Um, per of seventeen though, but he is the other thing is he's been better on defense than advertised. He's not some lockdown defender, but he's playing well within that system and part of that that long switchable system that that Brad Stevens has going and is working so well in Boston. And you know, like you said, he's getting he's playing within their offensive system and getting 
good looks, good clean looks. He's getting a lot of shots that, you know, we talked about his ability to make contested ones, but he's, you know, he's getting non-contested ones. He's shooting 63% at the rim as well. So, I mean, he's doing everything you would want him to do. He's not taking a lot of mid-rangers. It's, it's been impressive. He, he just looks so comfortable playing NBA basketball, which is not something you can say for a lot of rookies. And that's on both ends of the floor. Yeah. How many rookies in this class look comfortable on one end or the other, let alone both? Uh, he looks like a veteran. Yeah, and he's so young. He's so young. He was young for this draft class. Uh, and he's athletic. And it just, he's been so impressive. Yeah, he has been incredibly impressive. And it's... He would be the only, I mean, it's, again, way too early to have the Rookie of the Year discussion. Ben Simmons is in front on that list. Tatum is the only guy who pushes him, and then we get into, there's a series of guys we can discuss that we'll get to that are kind of, you know, if if the Rookie of the Year ballot has three spots, that third spot's really, right now, would be wide open and kind of open to interpretation. But those top two spots, I mean, they've been clearing away the two best rookies in this class and Tatum like you said that surprised me I just wasn't as sure about him and you know all the knocks on guys coming out of Duke but he's just been nothing but but like you said looks like a guy who's been there before does not look like a rookie at all so let's move on then to well the most polarizing the most controversial guy uh in, in this in this class uh, Lonzo Ball of the Los Angeles Lakers. He is, yes, he has had two triple doubles. He is averaging, though, 8.9 points, 7.1 rebounds, 7.1 assists a game. He is shooting 31, 31.3% overall, 22.8 from three, a 10.2 PER, which is well below the league average. There are You can see what he does well, and you can see what he likes, but I, to me, he's a guy, like, like now that we're through Tatum, I, it's easy to say, all right, Every one of these guys, and including, frankly, Tatum and, and Ben Simmons, but especially the guys we're getting to now, you're like, there are pronounced strengths on these guys. There's things that most of them are doing really well. Ball's ability to push the ball and his passing have helped transform the Lakers. They're defending better, although I'm not sure how much of that is him. Uh, he's been better defensively than I thought, but not good, if that makes sense. He's still got a ways to go, but he's got clear deficiencies. He's not finishing well at the rim at all. He's, he's, you know, uh, his handles have to improve. There's just a lot going, I mean, the th- obviously the jumper, we didn't even get to that, but I mean, he's, he's shooting 45%, 45.5% at the rim. That's, he's got to finish better. He has to become more of a scoring threat for everything else to open up, but you still see the potential there. And I think that that's why he's a, he's, I don't know. I, I give him a CC minus and say that, you know, it depends on what he can do with, with, that space, what, what what he can do to improve his weaknesses. Yeah, I mean, the jumper is the big one, and until yeah. he starts shooting better, uh, inside and outside the arc, until he yeah. starts shooting better, he's going to be very limited. I like everything else. I mean, the, the pushing the pace, the the rebounding for his yes. position. I even think his defense has, has been pretty impressive, considering uh, there aren't a lot of good defensive point guards, no. and there aren't a lot of good defensive rookies. For him to be a so-so defender as a as a rookie point guard, I, I think is very impressive and, and bodes well. It's just the shot has to start falling. And when he's at UCLA, yeah, we all saw the funky motion of his shot. But at least when he could take time to set himself, he could he made three-pointers at a nice clip. Uh, he scored well inside the arc efficiently. He's not doing either now. and It looks like he's lost all confidence as a three-pointer. He still takes them, uh, but the, the motions are all, all different all the time. Uh, they're out of rhythm. He just doesn't look comfortable doing it. 
So I think that something has to give one way or another. Uh, but unless his shot gets better, it's going to be real hard for him to be a good NBA player. Yeah, I think, first off, I think you're right. He is, it's just in his head now, I, I think, part of it. I mean, yes, there are the physical limitations. I think, look, again, he was knocking him down in Summer League. He was knocking him down at UCLA. Different level of defense. The defense, longer, faster, smarter guys who close on you a little more quickly. And if you push that shot a little bit, it's it's not quite the same. But it's the finishing inside hasn't been right. I think the real interesting question is if you're the Lakers right now, there's no plan around the team to tear down his jump shot and start reworking it. Nor is there a plan to do that during the season. They think he can shoot his way through this. If he struggles with his shot all season though, at what point do you have that discussion? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough because it worked at UCLA. Yeah. It worked. And you don't want to take away something that might work. You don't want to blow his confidence. You don't want to get too deep in his head. And it's been a small sample. Yeah. I, I look at it like this. If he had shot the way we would have expected, which was not going to be great, but tolerable, if he had shot the way we had expected so far and then had a 17-game stretch like he's had in his first 17 games, there wouldn't be this widespread panic about his shot like there is yeah. now. Uh, so I think you have to get to the point where if this happened in the middle of the season, then you'd still be worried. That's when you can worry. We're just worried now because we haven't seen anything else. I think that's true. Very true. And the other thing that has been in good, he has developed a real chemistry with, with Kyle Kuzma, uh, um, Brandon Ingram, some of the other guys, on Larry Nance Jr., other guys on that team. I mean, part of it is that they move off the ball. They're willing to do stuff to see, because they know he'll feed them. They, they run the floor. Bigs run the floor. Uh, Brooke Lopez, who's frankly a better center and, and really helped them out more than people realize. Uh, uh, if they keep, We'll see if they keep him at the deadline. It'll be kind of interesting. Um He's developed a real chemistry with those guys, and guys want to play with him. And, and that was part of what they wanted to bring him in for was that culture change. So that that part of it's gone well. Yeah, I mean, and that's, that's a big part of it. The way he pushes the pace and brings energy to the game, that matters a lot. I want to just take a little break here to talk about hip sports, which, look, a lot of us out there love to play fantasy sports. This is a new app, a free app out there on the market, and you're going to love this one because it's kind of designed for gamers. For those of us who are used to how you collect a team in NBA 2K, or better yet, FIFA, which I love, or Madden, this is the same type of thing. Rosters are collected over time rather than just kind of drafted up front. The athletes ultimately can be leveled up to score more fantasy points, and at the end of each day, players get rewards based on how your lineup performed. You can do it right now for football, Basketball NBA is live. Hockey is live. Baseball will be coming up next season. There's even going to be an eSports League of Legends, which is going to be awesome. Soccer is going to be on the way down the line. I think it's great because also all these sports are connected. If you can use resources you earn playing basketball to up your football team, or more importantly, the resources you gain playing football to up your basketball team, it's all great, and you can we can help you out. We have a promo for basketball players. Go download the free app. It's HYP Sports. Then once you open it up, put in the code PROBASKET1, as in Pro Basketball Talk, that's P-R-O-B-A-S-K-E-T-1, and you will get a free player package to get you started, help you on your way. I think you're going to find this is a really fun way to do fantasy sports. It's something new. It's something different. Hip Sports is free to play. Just go into the App Store or Google Play or Facebook, download it today, and once you've got the downloads, go to your sport, click the promo code, Put in Pro Basket 1, get your player package, and get started. 
You're going to love playing hip sports. That's HYP sports. Well, let's move on to the number four pick, Josh Jackson, now playing for the lowly Phoenix Suns. I think it's safe to call them lowly, isn't it? We can we can call them lowly. Um, averaging, a little more competitive now, right? Yeah, a little bit. Um, and and they've obviously moved on from Eric Bledsoe and, and gotten into the uh, full-on rebuilding, and he's getting a lot of run. Uh, 9.4 points per game, shooting 39.5%, 27.1% from three. His shot was always something that was going to have to come along. He has plenty of athleticism, but 3.6 rebounds, 1.1 assists. Um, I like what, again, I think this is a guy that was always going to take a little while. Uh, he's, he's not, you know, true shooting percentage of 45.6, which is really low. Doing okay, you know, not great around the rim, 54.9% probably taking a few more mid-range, you know, mid-rangers than you'd like, but his shot was always something that was going to have to come along. This was a guy who has a ton of athleticism, was going to be a defensive first guy, and if they could get some good offense out of him, that's what they were ultimately looking for, and I'm, he's still kind of on that path to me. Kind of. I, I guess I'm not going to be quite as patient with him, because yeah, he came out as a freshman, but he was the oldest player drafted in the top 10. And not that he's old or anything, he's only 20, uh, but I think that warrants a little less patience. That's one of the reasons some people were a little skeptical. What concerns me the, the most, though, beyond the jumper, I think we're going to be talking about the jump shot for a lot of players yes. during this podcast. Like th- These rookies just really collectively are not ready to shoot jumpers, and, and that's a big problem throughout. Uh, but beyond that, what really concerns me is the passing. Uh, he's supposed to be a good passer for yeah. a wing, and that's just not there. He's he's well behind in that. He has uh, way more turnovers than assists, 36 turnovers, 20 assists. He's not really seeing the floor. I think the game is just coming way too quick for him right now. I I, I would agree with that. And I, again, I think that that's something that's really common for rookies, that this you, you move into the NBA. And this is – actually, I'm not even sure that's just an NBA thing. I mean – you look at Carson Wentz and Jared Goff in the NFL last year, and then compared to this, you're like, hey, eventually some of these guys, if a good enough player, uh, you can you can you, you can catch up to the game, but it is coming fast for him, and I, I would agree. I mean, the the passing and the turnovers is a real concern right now. I mean, it's it is turnovers on thirteen point sixteen point three percent of his possessions and assists on 7.7 that's not good for a guy who you want to have the ball at times again he's never going to be the primary ball handler on a team uh, but you need him to be next to Devin Booker and be able to make plays and there's a lot of work to do to develop that there and it it's going to be interesting now I mean Jay Triano's got that job for the for the interim with with you know with Watson out where do they go next where, where, you know, they've got to bring in a development coach and a development team and kind of, I mean, that's obviously where they're going. They've got, you know, beyond this, obviously, with Chris and Bender and everything else. I mean, this is a team that needs a good development program, a, a, a franchise that does. And I'm not, you know, I, I don't know if Jay Triano's that guy or not. Like, he's he's a, a well-respected coach around the league. But, I mean, that to me is kind of the next thing for the Suns. Like, I, I don't know what their direction is. Yeah, I mean... It's really going to depend on which of those players can develop because they really haven't yet. I mean, well, we've seen some progress from from Bender, but it's it's not anything overwhelming in either direction. None of those guys you're going to go, yep, they're a bust. They're not going to amount to being contributing NBA players to being helpful NBA players. Uh, it's way too early for that for any of them. But there are outside of Booker, there's not a lot of great signs. T.J. Warren is having a very good season, uh, but he's a little bit older than 
than these guys. Uh, he'll be he already signed his, his rookie still ex- extension. So these super young guys they've drafted, uh, it can go in a lot of directions with every single one of them. Yeah, I think I think the only guy I'd look at, and there's debate over how good. Um, Devin Booker will ultimately be, but Devin Booker's an NBA player and a good shooter. Like, like Devin Booker has a quality role in the NBA, but beyond that, whether that's a playmaker role, whether he's a true number one is a, you know, I'm, I'm not sure that he's that guy, but look, uh, beyond that, there are a lot of questions and, and, and Jackson's part of that. He's got a lot of work to put in. They've got to put in a lot of work with him and, and we'll see if he can develop that shot. But you're right. The passing is a certain is concern and the shots a concern that handles probably a concern all with that. So, I mean, that end of the floor really has to improve this season and the next season. And a lot of these guys, it's interesting to see what kind of jump they make when, you know, we see Josh Jackson at Summer League next year. Like, I always think that that's a good measuring stick with these guys is how much did they improve? If you're a rookie who gets regular run in the NBA, you should come into the next Summer League and toast people. And, I mean, that was... When you said that, you know, we were talking about Bender and, and Chris, they didn't this summer. And it was kind of like, ooh, that's an interesting, you know, that's concerning that they didn't. Because I, to me, if you're a rookie who gets a lot of regular NBA run, you should you should have a really good summer league. And they did not. So um, we can move on to Sacramento's De'Aaron Fox at number five. I think, I think honestly, one of the, I don't want to say more impressive rookies, but guys I've, I've been impressed with in this class as he's gotten forward. 11 points per game, 4.7 assists. 40.8% shooting again. We knew his shot was going to be a problem. 26.1% from three. But a guy who does play defense, a guy who does get up and down the court and help push the pace for them, uh, 11.8% uh, per PER, I should say. I keep wanting to call it per for some reason. PER. A, um, he's had flashes. He's had moments on a, on a, on a let, let's be honest, a terrible Sacramento team. Um, he's had flashes, and I think you could see him as a starting slash rotate you know, quality point guard in the league down the line? Uh, so I, I had not seen a ton of Kings before we we did uh, talked about doing this podcast, and sort of my impression was George Hill's playing real bad, and I wonder if he has some remorse about taking the money to sign with a bad team. He's generally been on good teams throughout his career, and I'm not sure this whole mentoring younger players, making the money, but suffering through all these losses... Uh, is worth it to him. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I'm not sure he fully understood what it would be. doesn't seem like he's having a good time right now. Uh, and De'Aaron Fox, you see some highlights. Very impressive. I just keep wondering, when, when is Fox going to overtake Hill as yeah. the King starting shooting guard? And then the more I look into Fox, I'm not quite impressed. I, I'm not giving up on his potential by any means. You see the yeah. flashes. That's what you want to yeah. see right now. But I'm talking about just about what he can do right now. Uh, again, like we're going to say with a lot of players, his shooting is not there, no, and that really sabotages the rest of his game. He's fast, and uh, I don't think he's really doing much defensively. I don't think that has gotten there yet uh, in the NBA. But but he's okay offensively. What I've really been impressed by him is his ability to get to the rim. His ability to get to the rim and finish when he gets there. Some of that is just in transition. Some of that's just beating his man. Uh, but he has been so impressive around the rim, especially for a point guard. That stood out to me more than anything else, positive or negative. Yeah, and I think that that's part of the potential. By the way, shooting 70% around the rim, uh, 70.7, that's that's phenomenal for anybody, but that's center-type numbers. So I, guess, I think that's his athleticism uh, to a degree. I think it helps. Again, I, but you're spot on here. The, the jumper and the shot has to improve for him to open everything else in his game up. Um, and, yeah, 
the rest of it is is the Kings, and and they've got this is a team with a long way to go and a long process, and at least you know. I was a little worried that they were trying to bring in George Hill and, and Zach Randolph to win too many games and win and essentially be too good and win more games than they needed to this year when they actually have their pick next year as opposed to two years from now when they don't. But uh, that has not been a problem. They are going to have a very, <laughs> they are going to have a very high pick and a very deep draft, and that that can help their process. Um, and Fox can be part of that again. This is like like we said, what kind of development program we were talk I was talking about with with Phoenix. I think it's the same question in in Sacramento um there there's some frustration there but are, are is is Jaeger the guy who can can he really put together a development program can that organization do that and and find their next steps i you know i'm not totally convinced but we'll see um they are they're, they're in a multi-year process before we finish up on fox i've got a trivia question for you oh uh, on espn's real plus minus there are 433 players listed where do you think De'Aaron Fox ranks in real Ooh, plus minus? On that team? Um, 400, I, I would say around 400, give or take. 433 Ooh. of 433. Dead last. Wow, that's that's not a good sign. And again, all metrics have their flaws, but if you're... It's, it's the Dean Oliver's, one of Dean Oliver's tests. If your metrics doesn't match up with the eye test, then it's a problem. But it kind of does in this case. He's been pretty bad. I mean, he's, he's struggled. I think the, the big tell is his defense just hasn't translated yet. And yeah. I'm, you know, because of his size, I'm not sure it ever will. He could do things in college, be sort of a pest in college, that I think will be much harder in the NBA. I'm not sure his defensive effort is quite there because he's still learning offense and a lot of it's coming at him real quick. And so I'm not sure the effort's there. And once he cranks up the effort, we'll, we'll get a better sense of it on the defensive end. But I don't think it's there yet. Yeah, it, it. I don't know. I've seen flashes of it. I've seen potential. But again, I think I was looking more at the potential for him as a as a to develop into that guy. He's he's not quite there yet. But I, I still think in flashes he can get there. I, I still think when I've when I've watched him, you've seen moments where you're like yeah, he could be a really good defender. But it's not. It's also this. It's a terrible system, and a ter- that that team is so bad that sometimes it becomes hard to uh, to judge them. Uh, number six uh, on a better team, an improving Orlando team this year. Not you know, at least taking been better than we expected. Jonathan Isaac, one of the real projects in this draft out of Florida State. Uh, Six point one points per game, four point four rebounds. Uh, again, not shooting terribly well, but he was always a guy that was. I mean, this was a pick about development. This was a pick about a couple years from now. Not so much being able to help right now with this team. So I'm going to spin it the other way. I think that's correct, but add something to it. The Magic are 8-4 and four when he plays and 0-5 oh when he doesn't. Yeah. And some of that is a small sample, but I think the biggest reason the Magic are better this year than last year is they just have players who fit their roles. Last year they were trying to jam in so many big men, uh, and it didn't work, and it threw everybody off. It, it ruined Aaron Gordon for most of the season. It put Serge Ibaka in bad spots. It it created the, this tension in playing time between Bismack Biombo and Nikola Vucevic. It, it left Jeff Green without any role. He could be any good in it at all. It was just it was just a mess. And this year, uh, they they downgraded some maybe overall, but they have players who fit their roles. And on this team, Jonathan Isaac fits his role. You can't get enough versatile forwards yeah. uh, and wings. His defense has been pretty good. He just plays his role, uh, not necessarily great in it, but the fact that he fits into it helps this whole rotation come together in a way that 
it doesn't when he's out. Yeah, he started a couple games. I mean, they are giving him twenty minutes a game. They are they are giving him some rope out there um, to to like you said play with a what what has been a team that where the pieces do fit together. I mean, that's always been they were always the island of misfit toys uh, of a team, and they've been better this season. Um, but Isaac has fit into that as a bench player, and and again, you can see with that athleticism what what he could be down the line, and. And all that potential, and he was all like I said, he was always a guy where you're like, we're a couple years away from really knowing what he can do, um, and just how good a pick this is. But it looks early on like this was a a pretty solid pick. And honestly, the same can be said of the guy drafted by Minnesota, then traded to Chicago, Laurie Markkinen, who I'll be honest with you, I wasn't terribly high on him before the draft. I saw him at summer league, and I wasn't very high in him. And he has been much, much better than I expected. Fifteen point six points per game, eight rebounds a game, shooting thirty six point seven percent from three. Granted, somebody has to shoot and somebody has to score. He's getting a lot of, of opportunities in Chicago that some of these other guys are just not going to get because the Bulls are so bad. But he's been efficient. He has been better than I expected. Yeah, is it not just the the thirty six point seven percent on three pointers? It says he's getting up seven of them yeah. per game, playing uh, what is about thirty one minutes per game. So he's getting up a lot of shots, which I think is important for him. And uh, and the rebounding is impressive too. Yeah, he he's not the biggest, strongest guy, but he's active on the glass. He's getting in there, and I I think that's a sign that he'll be able to handle the physicality of the NBA. And I'm just as surprised as you. Uh, concerning what happened in Summer League. I liked him more in the draft, but he looked so overwhelmed by the physicality of Summer League that I didn't know how it was going to work in the NBA, and he's just fine. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's been... That's a really good point, because that was... And he looked great in Summer League. I mean, bad in Summer League, looked great in Euro, you know, the uh, European Championships, but I'm like, yeah, but it's you know European basketball, and, and that's more his system, and how's he going to fit when he gets back? He said he's been good inside, shooting 66.7% around the rim. He's not been kind of bumped off when he gets in there. He, he gets his buckets, and uh, like I said, he's taking most of his shots from three, but he's also hitting them, and yeah, he's just been better than I expected, and he's... He's had his ups and downs. He's, he's had some flat spots recently, but again, that's that is to be expected with rookies. They're all going to have their ups and downs. Uh, but this looks like a. I look. I'm not going to defend that trade still because they gave up the 16th pick and all this other stuff. But this draft, this may have been a better draft pick than I thought it was going to be at the time. Good thing that Bobby Portis punched Nikola Mirotic, so we'd get this early glimpse of, yes. of Lowry Markkinen. That, that's boy, and there's there's some fun locker room dynamics that they still have to work out in Chicago as 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 as, as Miritich gets close to returning. So that's you know, Portis has actually looked pretty good too. So it's it, maybe that motivated him somehow. I don't know. Um, we will move on to the Knicks and their uh, reserve point guard Frank Nikilatina. I always butcher this Nikilatina. I believe it is Nikilatina. 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 I. I Boy, I butcher it every time. He has actually been, I think, a solid... Um, uh, look, he looks like a rookie, but there's moments again where he's he's been okay. 4.6 points, 1.9 rebounds. He's not shooting well. We've been, you know, we've been down this road, but they are certainly giving him a lot of opportunities. Almost, again, almost 20 minutes a night off the bench as the backup point guard. And, again, there are moments. His shot is holding him back. He's probably, you know, he's dishing the ball out, but he's not, he's turning it over some, but not too, too much. 
But again, I think that this is a guy really learning the game. And if his shot can come around some other, you, you see moments where you're like, man, I could see the other stuff coming together for him. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely the, the theme of the shot being behind and it holding up the, the rest of what he can do. I've been pretty impressed with him as a playmaker. I thought the passing, the distributing, being that true lead guard would take a little longer. He's, he's farther, further ahead on that than I expected. You know, ideally in the long run, he can become somebody who, who defends three positions, maybe two of them well, and, and can at least hold up against some small forwards, and, and there'd be a lot of value there. I think he's still learning his way defensively, like a, a lot of rookies. Uh, but that playmaking has been nice and a welcome surprise. Yeah, he, he, I agree. And, and developing some chemistry out there with with uh, Chris Porzingis as well, who's obviously the future of that franchise. LeBron James has said before, like you know, threw shade at Phil Jackson, and it got and it got uh, Knicks fans up in a, or some Knicks fans up in a huff because. Well, I don't know why, because they like to throw shade at Phil Jackson, too. But sure enough, he'd said that he thought they should have drafted Dennis Smith Jr. A lot of people thought Dennis Smith Jr. should have been higher on the board. He went number nine next to Dallas. And he's kind of been what we saw at Summer League and Advertise. 14.1 points per game. Again, not shooting terribly well. 38% overall, 28% from three. But man, is he explosive. Man, can he get to the rim. And you see the potential for him to be a really special point guard in there. Do you look? It's too early to say if that was a good or bad move, but boy, you look at Dennis Smith Jr. and it's easier to see the arc to him being a much higher ceiling player and a better player down the line. Yes, absolutely. I, real quick, I just got to throw in a correction. I looked at the the wrong note I jotted down on Neely. It didn't sound right as I said it. His defense has been very good. Yeah, uh, we, we can get to Dennis Smith Jr. in a second, but but Neely Kina's defense has been very good, uh, and I think his athletic skills are ahead of his IQ there. Uh, but both have been good for a rookie. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Um, he's, yeah, I mean, his IQ is, I think that's a good point with him, is that he's just been a little smarter and a little better than I expected, and that's where you see the potential. With Dennis Smith Jr., what you see is, man, this guy's explosive. He, he, I mean, like, I don't know if I want to put him on the Westbrook John Wall level yet, but that next tier down where he's a super athlete at this position, and that can take him a long way as he, as he develops the rest of his game. Yes, absolutely. I mean, his athleticism has been so impressive, and he's been asked to do so much. Yes. Uh, he has such a big load, and he's not ready for it. To me, when I pick something like Rookie of the Year, an all-rookie team, to me it's not based on what you're going to do. It's how good you are as a rookie. And so I would rate him fairly low uh, because he's been given this massive role, but I think he's really sinking in it in a lot of ways. He shows these flashes that bode so well for the future, and well, maybe at some point the Mavericks have a team that has more around him where they don't need Dennis Smith Jr. to do quite as much. And so you have both those things coming in the same same direct or opposite directions where, one, he's more capable. Two, he's asked to do a little bit less. You meet in the middle, and then it becomes very impressive. Yeah, exactly. I think, look, Rick Carlisle was not subtle from the start. He said, hey, this is a guy we want to build around. We want this guy to be one of the cornerstone pieces for us going forward. Um, you know, I'm not sure New Orleans Noel will be joining him on that list, <laughs> but that's, um, but they've, they're, like you said, they're, they're throwing him to the fire, letting him learn some hard lessons this year. But if he can come back and improve, he's got the tools to be really special. And, and one of the more special players in this draft, when we're talking three or four years down the line, because I don't know, 
maybe Josh Jackson. I'm not sure who's more athletic than him. Josh Jackson's a little taller and longer, but like I don't know. Maybe again, Fox is really quick, but boy, they, nobody's quite as explosive as him, and that could be just that could lead if he works on the rest of his game and gets it where you want to being so so. I mean, he could be the corner one of the cornerstone pieces they need in Dallas. Right. I mean, he needs to become more savvy. He needs to be able to draw more fouls. Yeah. His three-point shot needs to come around, but I think we saw enough before to believe that it'll it'll come up from, from what he's shooting now. But those are all still open questions. None of those are locks. Uh, and, you know, it, it's worth noting the difference of, yes, the more he plays, the more he's done, the, the, more it, the easier it is to fall in love with his potential. But also, he's not playing well right now for an NBA player. There's a difference between those two. Yeah. Yeah, he does have work to do. Um, Probably not, though, as much as Zach Collins, the next pick in the draft of the Sacramento Kings. He's played in just five games for a, look, it's a terrible team, and he's not getting on the floor. He was always a real project. I mean, this was a guy who didn't even start at Gonzaga, um, but was drafted really on the potential as a seven-footer who can step out and shoot. Um he needs, I don't know, time in the G League. He needs just some run on the court and to get stronger and a whole lot of things. Again, I he's always been a guy that's a couple years away from me. It's concerning that you're taking him this high and he can't get on the court right now, but he needs a couple years in that development program that they've got to, they've got to put together in Sacramento to make this whole thing work. Yeah, I don't know where the cutoff is. Definitely the lottery, uh, but, but you could go down further, maybe the first round, maybe the entire draft uh, of the worst player right now at this moment. Uh, yeah. When he's been on the court, he's been terrible. The Blazers don't trust him to play. Yeah. Uh, but he's young. He's young and he has potential. That's not a terrible thing. It's not a deal breaker. It doesn't mean his career is over, but he is just nowhere near ready right now. No, and it's going to be a, a long process, to a couple of years to get him there. And we'll see. we'll see if he can... If he can develop into anything, he was always. I mean, he showed flashes there, but uh, you, you were really develop. You were you were drafting that guy with the plan to develop him um, long term, and, and we'll see if if the Kings are capable of doing that. Move on to Charlotte. Malik Monk came in as a shooter. That was the, the guy who was going to come in and light it up and put up points for you. The a bunch of Knicks fans wanted him for that reason. Shooting 34.6%, 33% from three, 8.2 points per game. He just has not been able to be that guy yet. No, but the the Hornets have needed him to do some other things, and he's had some impressive scoring games, but the yeah. Hornets have needed him to be more of a point guard while uh, Michael Carter-Williams, while Julian Stone have been hurt, and he's done that. I, you know, He was a kind of a combo guard coming in, weren't sure where his career would go, and I thought it would take time for him to be more of a point guard pressed into that. He did okay. Yeah, I, I, you are right that they've asked him to do, just due to injuries, they've kind of pushed him into roles he's not going to be completely comfortable with as an NBA player. Uh, but, And I still think, by the way, his shot can come around. Like I'm, He's struggling as a rookie with his shot. Welcome to the large collection of those. Um, again, that's something that can completely come around as he gets more comfortable with the pace of the game and everything else. So the potential... I. I I still think this could be a really good pick for Charlotte. I think it was a good pick considering how far he fell down the draft to them. Uh, they were really excited. It's just he's not where he, he's not yet what they were maybe hoping he could be this season, and it's going to be a little more of a process. What concerns me long term is he, he just really hasn't found a way to drive inside to get anything going inside. Uh, and yeah, I don't know if his jump shot is good enough to be somebody who's 
just on the perimeter. I don't know if his passing is good enough uh, to be somebody who's just on the perimeter and not luring defenders and, and passing off the move where it's more of a stationary thing. Uh, in the in the near term, I don't know what his role is going to be now that now that Batum is back, uh, now that Jeremy Lamb is having such a, a good yeah. season, Michael Carter Williams is back. So, but I think he might be getting squeezed a little bit now. Yeah, and he's going to have to earn those minutes back by by putting you know putting together some practices, impressing Steve Clifford, and then you know when he gets his chances going going forward, it's it's not going to be. He said he, he's going to have to hit those shots, and he's going to have to prove he can do. I, the handles do need work. I think that there's there's some lessons learned this season, and he's probably working on those things. I'm gonna when we get to the next pick in the draft, Luke Kennard with uh, the Detroit Pistons, uh, 5.9 points per game. But I'm gonna turn this over to you. You you attend a lot. Of, you live in Detroit. You attend a lot of Pistons games. What he's I've seen flashes from him as a shooter and and how he fits in their system. But what have you seen? Yeah, he's just kind of been just the guy so far. He's on the fringe of the rotation. Uh, he He's shooting a lot of three-pointers. One of the appeals of him was his playmaking, that he not necessarily going to be a point guard, but could, could be a good playmaker, distributor, ball handler for a shooting guard. Pistons haven't really asked him to do that. So he's just a guy who kind of dribbles around a little bit, shoots three-pointers, takes some long jumpers, isn't doing a whole lot, uh, hasn't that I've seen hasn't embarrassed himself defensively. That was a big question. Uh, but he hasn't really been asked to do much defensively. He's not put in the highest leverage situations or anything near it. So it's not to get too much of a feel for him. Uh, he's just kind of been okay at, at what's been a small role. Yeah. And he is, he is, by the way, he did come in, yeah, you said some playmaking stuff, but it was shooting that was going to get him paid and 38.5% from three. So, He's a guy whose shot is there. It's just everything around him. And like you said, that's a Pistons team that's been better than advertised, I think, for a lot of us to start the season as one more games. And with that, uh, look, the guys who can help them win are going to get more minutes, and that's rarely rookies, especially if you're playing for Stan Van Gundy. Yeah, I mean, it, it, is, it might be impressive that he's gotten as large of a role as he has. I, I think that bodes well that he's earned that much trust. It's not a ton. Uh, but it's it's a decent amount, and the Pistons, like you said, are better than expected, and they're a fairly deep team. They they have options. They have Avery Bradley and, yeah. and Langston Galloway, so it's, it's and they have Reggie Bullock. So it's not even as if they need him to play, but he's earned a little bit of playing time. Exactly. Uh, one of the other rookies who's really stood out and had more on his plate lately, Donovan Mitchell, um, drafted by Denver, but obviously now playing for the the goal um, Utah Jazz. 14.9 points per game. Not again, not shooting terribly well. 32.7% from three, 38% overall. But they've asked a lot of him defensively, and he's been good most of the time. But they've also, I mean, to the point where lately he's had a lot more playmaking and point guard responsibilities kind of thrust upon him, and he's handled that okay too. I mean, they're asking a lot of him on a, a Jazz team that doesn't really know how to score, doesn't have the pieces to score many points, and he's responded about as well as you could hope for from a rookie. Yeah, he has. Uh, I am probably down on him more than most. People really seem to love him, and it's because he's had some excellent games, and those get a lot of attention, but the overall larger sample isn't quite as impressive. You know, he's somewhere in that Dennis Smith Jr. camp where, yeah, he's shown a lot of things that look really impressive and bode well for his future, but he's not quite a good player yet, and you've got to note the difference. 
I would say that Donovan Mitchell maybe has been a little better now, but I'm not quite as high on him for the future. My big question for him coming out of Louisville was Louisville asked him to do a lot as an offensive player, as a scorer, and I think he was, I think he showed that that wasn't a great role for him. But it's hard for players to turn that off. Players like to score, they like the ball in their hands. And I wasn't sure how he would transition to a smaller role or if he would develop his skills to be better suited for a bigger role. And that's going to remain the open question because the Jazz need him to have this big role. They don't yeah. have c- creators on the perimeter. No. I mean, Ricky Rubio's shooting more. He looks uncomfortable with it. Uh, Rodney Hood has been hurt a little bit. He's probably on the same same tier as Mitchell. So they're going to keep asking him to do this, and the efficiency isn't going to be there yet. Will it get there, or will they ask him to do less? What comes next? Yeah, obviously there's some roster questions there that answer a lot of that. There's That's a... a Team in a process and, and struggling, actually doing a little better than I expected without Rudy Gobert, but that's going to be a real challenge for them heading into a tough stretch of their schedule coming up. And uh, Donovan Mitchell is going to be asked to do a lot against better teams. And those are when some really hard lessons <laughs> tend to arrive. So, um, yeah, I, I still think he's in that. To me, we were saying, you know, it's 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 been Tatum and, and Simmons in one, two in your Rookie of the you rookie if you're ranking rookies, a lot of places do that. Um, and then after that, to me, Mitchell's in that next group where if you want to argue he's the third, fourth, fifth best guy in the in the in the class so far, I think you can make that case. Um, but mm-hmm. we'll see where he is down the line um, and how much he can improve. Bam Abadio Adebayo, you know he's getting some run. You know he, he's done okay in Miami. I mean that's another team with some you know. Started three games for them. He's one of those guys where the numbers really aren't that great. Shooting fifty percent, only three point five points a game. But like every time I tune him in, he seems to be doing better. I don't know. Like I should just watch more games, and he seems to play better because he looks he looks a little better when I watch him for some reason. Yeah, I think the Heat coaches uh, have a a different view on it because it seems yes. like his role has Shrunk. has gone a little yes. less and less. And you know he he just kind of looks like a rookie, and, and they have better options. They've gotten yeah. on white side. They're playing Kelly Olynyk a lot at center, which I think is good for them and Olynyk, uh, and so there's just not a yeah. ton left over. Uh, but he is, you know, he's a big, strong guy and can handle matchups that Olynyk can't. And I hope he'd be ready to handle more of those. But the, I'm kind of with you. Like he seems okay, but the Heat don't seem to trust him. Yeah, exactly. They're they're not playing him. And and Eric Spol, like you said, if Spolstra has good options, I'm with you. I'm a big fan of the Olenek at the five lineups that they run. And um, you've got to play Hassan Whiteside. Not only have you paid the man, but he is, he is a, you know, a very good defensive center most nights. Um, there's some consistency issues, but he's, but he is a good center. I, and there's just not a lot of run for him there. But he's looked pretty good when I've seen him. His PER is nice. But if the coaches there don't trust him much, that's a real concern. Um We'll move on. We're not going to go through everybody in the first round. We're going to pull out a few of the guys farther down in the lottery because, look, we're not going to talk about Harry Giles yet. <laughs> you know, Justin Patton hasn't been there. Justin Jackson's been okay for Portland and, and played some minutes. But we're going to move on to a couple of the guys farther down the draft who have really had a, a nice nice rise and roll. And we'll, we'll start in in Toronto where OG Ananobe has really – Found himself a role there on that team. He's not you know, 6.6 points, 2.2 rebounds. Not, again, shooting 47%, which is okay for a rookie. You know, most of that inside the paint. But 
you know, he started four games for them. They're giving him almost 19, 18 and a half, 19 minutes a night. And that role is increasing. He has been really solid for what has been the second best team in the East. He's kind of a, a Jason Tatum light in the respect that he just seems comfortable. Like yeah. The NBA is not too much for him, and it's on both ends. He's a good passer, keeps the ball moving, uh, an engaged, effective defender. Uh, and he's healthy. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. He's healthy. And that was the, the huge question mark with him coming to the draft. He got hurt at Indiana. There wasn't a ton of information out there publicly about even what his injury was when he beat back. And he's already playing and already playing well. Uh, I wonder how many teams are kicking themselves for not taking him higher. Yeah, I think there's got to be a number of teams because he looks like a guy who's a player and, and can be. Is he going to be a super, you know, star or all star? I don't know about that down the line, but a guy who can be a quality rotation player that that you pick up, you know, that far down in the draft, at 23. Who would? Yeah, you, you you're looking at development projects down there, and he's not a project. He is a guy who can step in right now and play. That's that's been. That's been good for them. There's some real, there's some real opportunity. So, I, he has impressed. I think you're right. I think from the bottom half of the draft, he has been one of the guys. We're like, man, how did he fall that far? Um, the other guy high on that list for everybody, um, Kyle Kuzma, drafted by Brooklyn, obviously playing for the Lakers. That guy can just flat out score the ball. I mean, I've seen him a lot in person, and I was slow to the. I'll be honest with you, I was slow to this. I was like, yeah, it's not gonna, you know. All right, he was great in summer league. It's summer league, whatever. He is just a very confident, aggressive scorer. 16.5 points a game, shooting 57%. Slipped back a little, 33.8% from three, but just confident. Just a confident scorer who's fearless on the attack. And and really the other thing, aside the movement and the athleticism and, and just kind of the connection he has with Lonzo Ball, the guy makes quick decisions. He gets the ball and he doesn't hesitate. He doesn't let the set everybody set and then make his decision. He gets the ball and goes, or he gets the ball and passes, whatever he's going to do. But these that kind of just confidence and aggressive decision-making has gone a long way for him. I'm 100% with you. I, I feel like over our next several podcasts over the years, we will end up talking more about Kyle Kuzma than anybody, because we've got a guy from Flint, Michigan, who plays for the Lakers, <laughs> right in our sweet spot. But, but, but his confidence is, here's what I really wonder. What came first? And it doesn't matter, because he has it now. But what come, came first, the confidence or his, his production, his talent that we didn't really recognize? Maybe he just got hot for a period of time, thought it was real and it wasn't, but it became real because he thought it was real. Or maybe... You know, maybe he was really just this good all along, kind of hiding under the weeds, and and then came out and and this confident was deserved, and he's confident because he was so good. I don't know. It's a weird situation because yeah, he looked fine at, at Utah. He yeah. looked like a draftable player. A, yeah. A uh, about where he went. You yeah, know, late first, early second kind back. of guy. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and I just I don't I don't know where this came from. Yeah, and the three point shooting is part of that because. You took what I think two two. I'd have to. I didn't look the numbers up specifically for this, but it was like two threes a game, shot thirty percent. Like you're like, all right, maybe he can develop that in the NBA, and then he gets to summer league and he's knocking him down like he's a shooter, and everybody's like, well, is this going to last? And it again, it has slipped back a little of late with him, but he's still finding ways to get those shots off and get them down, and and that will you know, I I don't think his three point percentage is going to go backwards over the long haul in in the number of years, so. The Lakers might have the steal of the draft with him that far back. You mentioned, you know, if, if you were doing a rookie of the year ballot right now, uh, he would be my number three. Yeah, behind, I think so, honestly. Behind yeah. Simmons, Tatum, and then Kuzma would be my number three. 
I, I would agree. I think that right now, if you force me to, that would be the vote. But I think that, like I said, I think that there's a group there. That, that's a ward also. Honestly, isn't it almost always like who's hot the second half? Like guys get out to quick starts and what have you, and, and Simmons may run away with this thing. But, or, you know, or Simmons and Tatum. But it really becomes, you know, that's one of those awards where the guy who improves over the course of the season and has the really strong second half often gets that, you know, often gets more notice and mention there. So we'll see how that all shakes out and how Kuzma shakes out over time as the, you know. He's also defended well, which is the kind of, I'm, I watch it every game, and I'm, no, not every game, but when I see the Laker games and when I've gone to them, their defense is better, and I think Brooke Lopez has been big for them in some ways that, I will see what, you know, the, the other guys on their roster who are part of their long-term future aren't necessarily doing, but I'm still surprised how good their defense is, and Kuzma's been part of that. He, again, a 6'9", long, athletic power forward who can switch a little bit. Um, it it gives them some options. It gives Luke Walton some options in the style that he wants to play, ultimately, which is a very, you know, a Warriors-esque switchable defense. With Kuzma defensively, I think it's the same thing that you pointed out offensively. He's a quick decision maker. Yeah. Yeah, he just, he doesn't, it, it's just kind of amazing to watch him go uh, and and not make those, he just doesn't hesitate. He makes plays and it's, it's always kind of stunning. Dan, who else is, like, on the list, who else has stood out to you? Who else, what other rookies have kind of caught your eye that you, you know, maybe didn't expect to see catching your eye this early? Well, well if we want to point out one second rounder, I think it's Dylan Brooks. He was the number 45 pick, it is with the Grizzlies. And he's fitting in, the Grizzlies, obviously, they've got... Mike Conley, when he's healthy, they've got Marcus All. That's the basis of, of their team. And they have Chandler Parsons, who's kind of in a category of his own as as this guy's been injured, but was also a, a really good player before that, maybe coming back to some of that. And they have a bunch of guys who are okay and can do some things sometimes and need to be put in the right roles, but always need will always play hard. Whether they're playing well or not, because none of them are great players, but they're always going to play hard. And they're all veterans who understand kind of what they're doing, but they're all young enough to be athletic, and Dylan Brooks fits into that perfectly. He hasn't been great, but for a second-round pick, he's been solid, he's been in the rotation, and he's been helping a team that, that has been competitive in a year a lot of us thought they would drop off. That's very true. I mean, that, this was a year we thought a lot of those guys would kind of fall off the, fall, fall off the map. I, I think a couple of guys that left, leaped out, leapt out, have leapt out at me, Semi Ojale is another guy who's just long and athletic and fits right in with what Boston wants to do. And yeah, look, the number's 2.5 points a game and he's not shooting well. But defensively and giving them minutes off the bench every night, uh, you know, 13, 14 minutes a night, but quality 13, 14 minutes a night as a rotation rookie, that's on, on a team playing that well, that's really impressive. He has fit in very nicely with them. Yeah, he has. I mean, he, he's so strong, and he's been given kind of a limited role to take advantage of what he can do, and he's doing it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and, and we've talked about this with a couple of players today. You know, your role is going to be somewhat limited just because they're deep with what they've, you know, players they've got there. It's it's Caleb Swanigan I've liked out in Portland. Look, he's not, he's not going to knock Nurkic out of the starting center role anytime soon, but he can come in and give them quality... He's got an NBA body. He's given them rebounds. He's played well for them in limited minutes, and that's that's been that's been good enough. I mean, that, that he he fits in better there than I expected, and he's been a part of of what's been a, a maybe a little bit of uh, Portland fans see it as a little bit underachieving. I think they could be a little better, but 
it's not a bad start for that team. It's almost kind of where I figured they'd land. Dan, thanks for doing this. Again, where can everybody find you on Twitter? I'm at Dan Feldman NBA. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I hope you were listening to this while driving out to your in-laws for Thanksgiving. And uh, everybody listening, thank you again for listening. And have a good Thanksgiving. Be safe this weekend. Uh, Of course, you can find us on iTunes. You can go to just applepodcast.com slash probasketballtalk. You'll find us there. Um, Also, the Stitcher app and at NBC Sports. And you can find all of Dan and I's work at NBC Sports, too, as we break down the NBA and all the news there. We will be back next week with more uh, Pro Basketball Talk podcast. Do summer projects your way with Memorial Day savings from The Home Depot. With free delivery on over 2 million items, you can make the most of summer grilling and dig into gardening. Plus, get same-day delivery on thousands of products like power tools and storage to tackle any last-minute garage project. Summer your way with Memorial Day savings from The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 